Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn more about the program, our live streamed church services, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his message called Repentance and Restoration 2. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. God doesn't owe us anything, but brethren, he's given us everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, every blessing in Jesus Christ in heavenly places, and everything that is his as co-heirs of Christ, we're going to inherit one day. He doesn't owe us anything, but he's given us everything in Christ Jesus. This God who made behemoth and Leviathan came down to lay down his life for us so that Leviathan, the embodiment of evil, might take a shot at him. And he didn't win. He thought he might win by going after the Christ, but he didn't win. He was defeated when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Do you see it, brethren? This is our God. There's nobody like him. This is why Paul celebrates him. This is why Einstein said, everyone who is seriously interested in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to man, and one in the face of which our modest powers must feel humble, close quote. And J.B. Phillips said, if God was small enough to figure out, he, would, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. That's why God is doing this. That's why he's showing this to Job, and not just to Job, but for all those who would read the book of Job. He continues in this description of Leviathan by saying, I will not keep silence, verse 12, concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame, 13. Who can strip off his outer armor? Who can come within his double mail? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth? There is terror. His strong scales are his pride, shut up as with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. He's impenetrable, if you will. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. Leviathan is impregnable. Nothing can penetrate its tightly sealed hide. Since nothing can pierce its double coat of mail, hunters used hooks and ropes attempting to catch it apparently but it was a, a perilous enterprise to say the least. Its numerous sharp, sharp teeth would fill you with terror, like facing the teeth of a massive great white shark. See, Yahweh is showing Job that his apprehensions about standing before God were, were on target. See, there are many people in the world that think one day they're going to stand before God and they're going to have a conversation and tell God what he did wrong and how he should have ran the universe. And I got my list of questions and, and I understand having a list of questions, but be careful because God is greater than Leviathan. God is the Lord of heaven and earth. His sneezes, <laughs> you hope Leviathan has a, a sneeze guard, right? His sneezes, 18, flash forth light. Talk about a power sneeze. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning, probably heavy. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Is he fire breathing? Out of his nostrils smoke goes forth as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame goes forth 
from his mouth. Could he be a fire-breathing sea dragon? Could he be even more frightening than we thought with his power and his size and his terror and his teeth and his coat? And now could he also breathe fire? This is an incredibly powerful uh, creature. And again, it's the lesser to the greater. Our God made him, designed him. In his neck lodges strength and dismay leaps or terror, ESV, dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together, firm on him and immovable. His heart, maybe his chest here, is as hard as stone or rock, even as hard as a lower millstone. Now, if heart is the correct word, a thought here, that even if Leviathan's heart is like a stone, our God's is not. Our God is full of compassion and mercy. He delights in loving kindness, has said in Hebrew, mercy and loving kindness, unfailing love, that is our God. And as we watch Jesus cry at the tomb of Lazarus, we get a, we get a little bit of a way to peer into the heart of God. Even though God's got all the power that we could ever imagine, his heart is soft. Leviathan, uh-uh. Our Lord, oh yes. You see, he is full of love. And that love was demonstrated at the cross. And I've been sharing with you that there's something in the book of Job that we all need to see. And that Job is a type of Jesus. See, Jesus was the ultimate innocent sufferer. And the book of Job is about redemptive suffering. Job is going through what he's going through for a reason, and he doesn't understand every reason and every angle of this. But Job's story of uh, this suffering of an innocent man and this restoration and redemption is going to ultimately point to the ultimate innocent sufferer, Jesus Christ, the greater Job. And that's a big reason why the book of Job unfolds the way that it does little bit more on Leviathan. When he raises himself up, the mighty fear, the strongest warriors or sea captains, he raises himself out of the water. Be careful. Because of the crashing, they are bewildered, probably the waves here. The sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze 27 as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned into stubble for him. Clubs, you can take out your Louisville slugger if you want, are regarded as stubble like a toothpick to him. Notice, he laughs at the rattling of the javelin. You could put it this way, no weapon formed against him will prosper. It doesn't matter what you throw his way, he's just going to laugh at it. It will be nothing to him. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus is depicted as coming out of the heavens on a white horse and the angel armies coming with him, you know that the Antichrist and his armies and Antichrist becomes really possessed by the dragon or Satan uh, are going to try to fight God, right? And, and Jesus, 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says, destroys the man of sin with the brightness of his coming and slays him with the breath of his coming, if you will. He is seized and thrown into the pit. He is nothing compared to our God. Evil in the face of our God, Leviathan, a dragon, Satan, you name it, is nothing. In fact, in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Job, you see Satan subservient to God. He must check in with God. He can only do what God allows him to do. The message, brethren, 
be of good cheer. Our God is in control. This is our Father's world. And he's going to wrap up the times the way he's going to wrap them up. And even in chaos and disappointment and questions and suffering, God is the ruler of the world. Satan is not God's counter, counterpart on the evil side with similar power. Uh-uh. He's a fallen angel. And we can trust that our God will deal the ultimate death blow to Satan. Write down Psalm chapter 2, verse 4, where when the enemies raise up against God and they uh, shake their fists at God, God laughs from the heavens. They raise up against God and his son, but the Lord laughs from heaven. Psalm 2, especially verse 4. Is there any weakness in Leviathan? Maybe his underparts. Well, his underparts are like sharp postures. He spreads out, thirty verse 30, like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the depths boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him, he makes a wake to shine. One would think the deep to be gray-haired. Let me read from one commentary. He thrashes around in the mud and water. His underside, where we might have hoped to find a point of weakness, is sharp and hard, verse 30. He lives in the deep, the place of chaos, disorder, and death, thrashing around, making it white with the foam of his movements and his wake. This is Leviathan. These marks are left by Leviathan, giving the impression that its undersides are comprised of sharp, rough postures. When Leviathan plunges into the water, the depths seem to boil like water in a cauldron. It leaves a glistening wake of white water as beautiful, some of you will appreciate this, as the prized silvery white hair of an elder. And all our silver saints said, <laughs> praise the Lord. Nothing on earth is like him. One made without fear, 34. He looks on everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. There's Leviathan. God held him up to show Job how great our God is. See, Leviathan is king over all the sons of pride. And there are many proud people in the earth. And the proud, Isaiah 2.11, on the day of the Lord, are going to be abased. Pride makes you an enemy of God. He opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And so Job has heard God hold up all these different creatures that he made. Inanimate things like the snow and the storm and the wind and the stars and the rain. Animate creatures. Wild animals. And the most intimidating of the beasts. Maybe it's a good time to ponder the words after the Lord closed the sea on the Egyptian army and they sang the song of Moses. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Who is like you? Answer, nobody. There's nobody like Leviathan and from the lesser to the greater, there is nobody like our God. No other false God, nothing ever in heaven or earth or under the earth like him. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. As you know, the coronavirus pandemic has forced local and state governments to make some regulations to keep people safe. That means Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. Many churches are having to face the same shutdown to abide by social distancing regulations. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And so Job has heard God hold up all these different creatures that he made inanimate things like the snow and the storm and the wind and the stars and the rain, animate creatures, wild animals, and the most intimidating of the beasts. Maybe it's a good time to ponder the words after the Lord closed the sea on the Egyptian army and they sang the song of Moses Exodus 15:11 says, "Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Who is like you? Answer, nobody. There's nobody like Leviathan, and from the lesser to the greater, there is nobody like our God. No other false god, nothing ever in heaven or earth or under the earth like him. And so Job responds, and we'll use this as a bridge to our next study. Job answered the Lord. He had been quiet the whole time as the cameos of these different animals come across his screen, if you will. Job had to know what Leviathan was in order to get the point. So that's something to consider that Job had to know what this creature was. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. I get it, Lord. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Job now quoting God's words from Job 38.2 from his first speech. Therefore, I've declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. I was doing a lot of talking, Lord, about things that I didn't really get. Such knowledge David says in Psalm 139, as he ponders God's creation and knowledge of him, how he is fearfully and wonderfully made, he says, such knowledge, your thoughts of me, your care for me, God, is too wonderful for me. It is too high, says David. I cannot attain it. And David knew the Lord really well. But things about God, things that God knows about us, the intimacy of that relationship was just mind-blowing. And Job says, As he quotes God one more time now from his second speech, write down chapter 40, verse 7. God said to Job, hear now, second speech, and I will speak and I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me. That's what I think is going on, is that he's quoting God. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Verse 4 could be interpreted a couple different ways, but write down chapter 40, verse 7, and wrestle a little bit with that, but I've heard thee by the hearing of the ear, 
But notice, Job says, I heard about you, but now my eye sees you. I see you now. Sometimes we've gotten in conversations with our friends and we talk about God. There's an old song that says, give me all your thoughts on God. Movies made about God. What is God really like? Job says, I did a lot of talking about things that I didn't really get. But now I see you. People who have been moral philosophers, religious people over the years, people who have really endeavored to walk with the Lord, knowing him through the Holy Spirit and the power of his word, still what we long for is to see him. Amen. And Job got a glimpse of God. I don't understand all the angles of that. But he said, I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes shall see and not another. My heart faints within me. Job knew that he'd find the answers in the face of his Messiah, Redeemer. And we we'll find our answers in the face of Christ. I can't help but think of the formerly blind man in John 9 who said, I was once blind, but now I see. Final verse. So what does Job do? Well, he says, therefore I retract, ESV, NIV, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. He had been sitting on an ash pile. New living, I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. When you repent, it means that you change your direction. It's to turn from a planned course of action, quoting a commentator, to take up a new course. It implies, says this writer, does repentance, the strongest resolve to change one's direction. Job said, now that I've seen you, I'm turning around. I'm taking back everything I said and my desire is to follow you. I want to read from my notes for this last part. This is actually from the MacArthur Study Bible. He says, most important for the message of this book, the book of Job, was Job was still diseased and without children and possessions. God had not changed anything except for the humbling of the heart of his servant. The truth is, Satan was wrong about Job. Job's comforters were wrong about his alleged sin. And Job was completely wrong about the charges that he had raised against God. He expressed his own sorrowful regret that he had not just accepted God's will without such ignorance. And this is one of the hardest things as we close accepting God's will when we don't understand. And that's really the time we're living in right now and the lesson of the book of Job is how do we accept God's will when we don't get it? And we fast forward to a lonely figure on a cross who says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me all alone? Who goes through terrible suffering, inexplicable suffering at the cross with the darkness and the weight and we say, why? 
you're an onlooker, you're a disciple. Why would God ever allow this? Why Jesus? Some people might have said, why Job? He's such a good man. Why Jesus until we understand that the cross is our means of redemption? So dear saint, hold on. We're going to watch God graciously restore everything back to Job next Wednesday, same time. But until then, I want to encourage you to hang on. And if you don't know this great Savior, the the greater Job, Jesus, the most innocent sufferer, the God who made Leviathan and Behemoth who came down to save you, open your heart to him. You know, there's no perfect prayer. We talk about a sinner's prayer, but a sinner's prayer really means I'm going to repent and decide to follow Jesus. No turning back. And maybe that's what you need to do tonight is to ask him to be your savior and Lord for the first time. Maybe you're a Christian and you have been struggling and he's calling you back and he's saying, I want you to trust me in the storm that I'm going to get you through. I'm going to get you all the way home. So my encouragement to you is to hold on, stay in your Bible, maybe just get enough news to stay up to date, but don't immerse yourself in all the talk and all the different angles to slice and dice this thing, man. Get into God's word and see what God may be saying to you in the midst of the storm and when things get restored, how we can best use our, our lives in service of this great king. Father, we thank you. We love you. We worship you for your holy word and the lessons we can learn from it. I pray that you'd be with that person who's feeling lonely tonight, that person who may be hurting. Maybe it's a, a spiritual or a mental or psychological thing, or maybe it's a, a lack of resources. I pray for your mercy. And I pray for us as saints that we would find great joy in knowing that you who didn't know us anything decided to give us everything. Your love is amazing. And that love was directed not at angels that we know of. It wasn't directed as at the creatures, the great creatures of the sea. It was directed at men and women that you made in your image and came to die for. And we're just so grateful and so humbled by your great love, Lord. I pray that you'd fill us up afresh with the joy of our salvation, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You're listening to Repentance and Restoration 2, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job, Chapter 41. Hey, just a reminder that you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you'd like on the podcast. You can listen on our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. You can also listen to previous programs. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast on your walk around the neighborhood, in your home office, or wherever you want. So just listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, we've been thinking a lot uh, during this coronavirus pandemic about returning back to normal life. And, you know, we've been talking about repentance and restoration in the book of Job and repentance precedes restoration. If you follow the biblical kind of uh, path, you can see that when people truly repented, whether it's Nineveh or Israel or a personal uh, repentance of an individual, that's when restoration came. And even the goal of church discipline, if you've ever studied Matthew 18, for example, or Hebrews 12, 
is to restore a person back to that right relationship with God and others. And even it, it has a, a sanctifying aspect in Hebrews 12 that we might share in God's holiness. Remember that pain is God's megaphone to the world, to a deaf world, said C.S. Lewis. And so when we hear God's voice in the midst of the crisis and we repent, we see restoration. The ultimate restoration is going to come in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he restores all things to himself and we rule and reign with him. Hey, that's what's ahead of us. So praise the Lord. I know this is a tough time. I know it's hard when you know we hear about people dying. It's hard when we wrestle with these issues, but you know these issues are really part of our fallen world and that's why we need to get the gospel out to people. Hey, speaking of the gospel, we have a couple of services that we want to tell you about that are coming up. Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we do a midweek service that we're streaming right now. Many of you have jumped on board and are participating, worshiping with us. We want to encourage you to do that. And remember, we're airing Sundays at 10 a.m. So if you're feeling weary and you could use a little bit of encouragement or a whole lot of it, check us out at walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab at walkintruth.com. Remember, we're also available in your app store. Just download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. And many of you have been listening to us by way of podcasts, and you can check us out on your favorite podcast app as well. Hey, we just want to say we appreciate you. We love you. Thanks for partnering and praying with Walk in Truth, and we will see you tomorrow. Listen tomorrow for Pastor Michael's encouraging message in Galatians 5 called learning to run again. I'm Mike Massaro. I'm going to be uh, running out, but thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to reach out with God's truth to encourage, teach, and bless you during a time of hardship.